All right, so I have had us on a bit of an anime kick because I'm in Japan. So like last week, well, I'm still in Yokohama. So we watched a, a show about Yokohama. And uh, this week's more general, I guess. But well, I'm, I'm at the end of my, my Japan trip. I've only got a couple more days and then I'm taking off. So I thought like, what could I, what could I show, uh, show you? Like, what could we watch as like a send off to Japan? And this movie, it's called Your Name. The reason I watched it, it came out in 2016. I had heard somewhere that it was like the most successful Japanese cartoon ever. And I don't know if that was actually accurate because I looked it up and uh, it seems like it was actually number two. And I think now it's like number three. But I mean, still way up there. You know, it did really well. But you never know when you hear those things. You never know. You know, people have strange tastes sometimes. Like watching the most famous, most popular movie doesn't mean it's going to be good. But this movie is really good. I was like, holy crap, that's a great movie. And I also really like it because it's it's sort of like how last week, the the one we watched from Up on Poppy Hill, how it was kind of a teen romance. This also is a bit of a romance, but in a much different way, where it's city boy and country girl. But the nice thing about that is you get to see both sides of Japan because Japan's very famous for you know, how technologically advanced Tokyo is and all the big buildings and how amazing all that stuff is. But this movie also covers the countryside stuff because I feel like both sides are what make this country so cool. And I don't know, what can I say about this movie? I guess as far as like places that I've been, I haven't been to the countryside part of this because it's based on two real places, but they're quite far away. Like I could get to them, but it would take all day. So, but I've been to places similar but the guy side, the in the city side, I did go there and saw a bunch of the places where he lives. And specifically, there's this staircase we'll talk about later because it's like the final scene of the movie that's a real place. And I went to that and I'll tell you about it after the movie. But basically, it's just a really cool movie that is as far as like just trying to get across how how beautiful Japan is like nothing I've ever seen does a better job than this. And like I said, it, it gets both sides and it's just a neat story. Let me, so uh, I guess I'll just, I'll just give you the quick rundown of a little bit of what this, this movie is before we watch it instead of just going in fully blind. You know what I'm finding is, is unusual about this, how we're seeing the, the beauty of Japan is through <laughs> anime cartoons. <laughs> Yeah, I think though that's that is kind of true because different, eh? really different. I mean, who would who would think of oh, you want to see what Japan looks like in the past or in the present or in the future or urban versus rural? Hey, let's look at some anime cartoons. But you get a beautiful picture of what it, what it is. But it's uh, it's not something that North Americans would do. Yeah, and I think it, it kind of works on two levels. First off, it is just neat that Japan of all the countries in the world has definitely been like the heralds of animation or the shepherds of it, I guess I should say. Like they're the ones keeping it going almost in a bad way. Like there's a lot of stories coming out lately about the really terrible conditions of being an animator in Japan because the economy is not that strong. The money's not that good. But to make stuff this amazing looking, you've got to, you got to work people to the bone. You know, it's starting to become an issue. And like you'll see with this movie, like last week's movie was fine. It was nice and all. This movie's beautiful. This movie is twice as gorgeous looking as last week's. Like somebody, they really worked a lot of people really hard to make this. So there's that. And then there's also just the the fact that 
the thing that's nice about animation is it does idealize things a little bit because even like today I went down to Yokosuka to Dobuita Street to see it's because there's a, a famous video game Shenmue that takes place there. I wanted to see the real place. But when you see it in real life, like I showed you that sign earlier of uh, no going stool or urinating <laughs> the streets, you know, and there's like, you know, a uh, trash that has like washed up on, on the, the shore that nobody cleaned up, you know, like the, the real Japan is not that perfect. It's pretty good, but you know, there's still a lot of rough edges and it even just because it's uh, an Island nation. It's like, if you go to a, a cottage that we would have in like Atlantic Canada, where, you know, it's just kind of weathered and uh, things are worn down a little, everything looks like that in real life. But then you get the anime version and it just gives it that extra little perfect sheen that's better than real, <laughs> you know? So, so the cartoon is cheating in a way, but the way the cartoon looks is closer to how it feels to be in Japan, if that makes any sense. Because like, if you just see video of Japan and maybe it doesn't look that great, that's not how it feels to be here. The way it feels when you're really here is the way it looks in the cartoons. <laughs> So, yeah, I do feel like if I wanted to show someone how cool Japan is, I would show them the cartoon rather than the reality because the cartoon feels more like how it feels to be here. You also don't get the shitty, like if it's cold, if it's warm, if it's raining, uh, if you're just watching the cartoon. Um, hey, you don't get that. You always get a feeling of wonderful weather. Yeah, that's true. And well, even stuff like so even in the uh, so obviously the city parts are more what I'm talking about here, like the city in this cartoon is like the perfect version of Shibuya and Shinjuku. But even the girls side, the countryside part, they also idealize the nature parts because like there's this uh, um, this mountain that I was on in uh, Akiruno, which is like Western Tokyo, but it's still in the city limits. But because there was a shrine on the mountain and it just as a random thing. I was like, let me see if I can get to the shrine. And I couldn't because uh, I think I showed you those spiders once, right? The Joro spider. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. a giant yellow, red and green spider that it turns out is not venomous, but I didn't know that at the time. And it's like huge and scary. And this, this mountain had so many cobwebs and so many giant spiders. I had to give up. I would have needed like a machete <laughs> to hack my way to the top of this mountain. So even the nature parts in real life are too much. They're too much nature. There's wild boars that can gore you. There's bear warnings, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, like reality is just, reality is too much to deal with. The cartoon version, that's the, that's the perfect version. <laughs> but it's still basically accurate. Like as beautiful as this movie is, like, Maybe I'm just a Japanophile, but the way this movie looks is the way it feels to be in Japan, even if the reality of Japan is that there's the don't urinate signs and the uh, and the spiders everywhere. <laughs> you know? OK, well, shall we check it out then and see what the real Japan is like? But uh, yeah, so let me just give you a, like a quick little rundown about this. What I think is so neat about this, too, like this Japanese style of storytelling because this could so easily be a really melodramatic romance thing, but they approach it in this weird way. So the girl side of this story, she lives out in, in the boonies, you know, and 
her family has all of these traditions that they follow that they've been doing for generations. But like at this point, they just do them for the sake of it. They don't really know why they do them or if it means anything or if it's, or if it's just a tradition. But the grandmother of the family, she does have these memories. She's like, you know, when I was a teenager, I do remember having these dreams that I was this guy on a ship somewhere. But then the dreams went away and that was it. But it turns out those weren't dreams. What was really happening, what happens to the women of this family is that when they're in their teenage years, they do like a body swap with a guy, like a Freaky Friday, you know, you're in my body, I'm in your body. So that's like such a hackneyed premise that's been done a million times, but it's done in this cool way that I feel like only Japan would do, where it is like, it's like this family does this magical ritual, but in this vague way where they don't even know they're doing it or don't even really think it's real. You know, like it's such a light touch that it makes the whole thing much easier to swallow because on the surface, it's this is the most magical movie of all time, you know? Oh no, I'm in your body, you're in my body, whoa! So that's the basic setup, though, is like it is this this idea that I feel like if we approached it in a North American way, it would be Freaky Friday. But the way they do it is just way neater and more interesting. And again, it's this perfect way to show the city and the countryside in one story. And uh, and it's just really cool. And it has an amazing ending. But I'll talk about that, obviously, (laughs) after we get to the ending. Don't they have this philosophy over there, too, that, that they're not all hung up on this male-female thing like we are? They, they believe that you uh, every person has the genetics of both sexes. I mean, I don't mean that the physically they do, but mentally that, that they, you know how we're, we're, we're homophobic to, to, to a ridiculous point. But they right. don't they believe that each person has within them... Um, part female, part male, emotions, feelings, something like that. I, I don't really know much, anything about it other than the general belief that I, I think heard that somewhere. It's possible. I mean, obviously what I don't know about Japan could fill a million books, but I feel like you may kind of be thinking more of like ancient Native American cultures is where I've heard of that, like two-spirit, two-spirit. Oh, yeah, people. yeah, yeah. Or, well, maybe uh, they've got it too. Maybe the Japanese have it too. Well, actually, I mean, kind of to throw Japan under the bus a little, I think Japan is kind of the opposite. Japan is kind of really, really sexist. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think Asian culture in general is like, it's just like, I'm the man, you're the woman. But they still do interesting stuff with that, where it is like a male dominated culture. It's very much a patriarchy, but they still do unusual things. Like it's usually the wife who handles all the finances. So the man goes to work and works all the time, but then he has to give his money to his wife and he has to ask his wife for money to go get drunk, you know? Like there's just... That so sounds it's like hard a to, good idea. I like that. But then there's also all kinds of weird stuff of like uh, like things that just really throw us off in the the West where like if you see people on a date, it's not uncommon for you know, all this like chival- no chivalry, zero chivalry, you know, it's like the guy will just open the door for himself and walk through first and not give a crap what's happening to the woman, you know? And, and that's just normal here like that. But all of this, there's obviously exceptions to all of these things and uh, things are changing a lot. You know, there's female politicians and stuff here. It's not like a disaster zone, but I do think if you had to pick one side or the other, it's safe to say Japan is male dominated and quite sexist. <laughs> so, 
Okay. So, you know. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm sorry, Japan. As much as I love you, I mean, hey, you know, I'm also from the West. I don't have to. I don't have to. Uh, you know, because they have a lot of like a lot of it comes from. You don't want to stir things up. You don't want to cause. You know, they're a collectivist society. It's like just however things have been is how they're going to continue to be. And if that's good, it's good. And if it's bad, it's bad. But it doesn't really matter. We're just going to follow the traditions. Whereas we in North America, we're just we're just wild. We just do whatever we want. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's weird. It's like Japan, it's understandable how they have some of these problems, but they absolutely have some of these problems. All righty. Well, there. Lesson in um, culture, Japanese culture. Yeah, I just I mean, thought that be... they might have that two-spirit thing because here we're going to be watching something where women go through this phase of came maybe dreaming their men or being men in their teen years. Like, that's a little weird. Yeah, and I mean, well, this is not an uncommon trope here. I mean, do you remember the old cartoon Ramna One Half, where Ramna, when he got splashed with water, turned into a girl? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was by Rumiko Takahashi, who did mm-hmm. uh, Maisona Koku. So, I mean, you know, that's uh, that was more of a comedy, but there is that. And there's a comic, a more recent one, that uh, became really famous called Inside Marie, about an old creepy guy who uh, wakes up one day in the body of a teenage girl. And, and it's like a super serious take on it of he has to try to figure out how to navigate teenage girl world and not ruin this woman's life, (laughs) but he doesn't know how it works. And apparently the guy who wrote it said, uh, he wrote it because he was having a lot of thoughts about being transgender and wishing he had been born a woman and he helped, this helped him work through it. So again, like, I don't want to just say Japan is one way or the other. It still has a lot of interesting stuff going on. But, uh, but no, you'd never call Japan progressive, not in a million years. <laughs> that's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not the case. Maybe someday, though. Who knows? But okay, so uh, yeah, your name, 2016. Uh, oh, let me at least shout out the guy who wrote and directed it, because I am afraid to say I do not know his name. Makoto Shinkai, who is a man. <laughs> but all right. So, yeah, let's watch this film and then we can blog about it after. Maybe he's a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the outside, he's a man. <laughs> Some mornings, I wake up crying without knowing why. That sort of thing happens now and again. Whatever the dream was I had, I can never remember it. But. But. The only thing that does last when I wake up is a sense of loss, which lingers for a long time afterwards. So uh, that is the first time I've seen that movie dubbed. And I will say that uh, it does feel more melodramatic (laughs) that way. Like, I felt like when I watched it with subtitles, some of the more, ah, I don't remember your name. Like, specifically those parts where they're forgetting each other's names when they're up on the mountain. Uh, I should say, too, if anyone happens to be listening to this who didn't watch the movie, you know, should go watch the movie because we're going to spoil stuff. But, uh, you know, it felt a lot cooler subtitle wise as this thing that, you know, it's like the, the dream is falling apart. They can't like, you know, when you're trying to remember a dream, I thought that was such a neat way to have the two characters intertwine with each other but when you hear them saying it out loud it definitely hurt the vibe a little where it's like oh no i'm forgetting his name <laughs> you know? yeah. 
it felt the uh, it felt better in in text version. But as a as an anime cartoon, it came off very successfully. I can't see that being successful as a live action movie yeah. because how many how many of these have we seen? You know, the dreamlike sequence, the the space and time thing, the disaster averted, the love at the end of the I mean that that plot is so old and done so many times that doing that in live action, I can't see it being I think it could be real schmaltzy and sucky. And the Americans are famous for redoing something that, that is really good. And it comes off as really sappy. This, in, in the format that they did it, is perfectly acceptable. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cartoon. You can accept, uh, you, you can put suspense and disbelief because you're watching a cartoon. And that's not reality anyway. So you can buy all the cliches and the... You know, the, the little storyline that you've heard so many times before, the disaster averted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it works exceptionally well in this format. When you said that the Americans were cost, or, or some American producers were thinking about doing a, a live action version of this, like, what a way to wreck something that is already pretty damn good. Yeah, as we were watching it, because I, I just happened, I don't know any details, I just saw that on the... Uh on the wiki page that it's apparently in, uh, in production. And yeah, like uh, even not only that, cause yeah, I think you're right that there are a lot of elements of this that are tropey, you know, I mean, I don't think you get to be the third best selling movie in Japan. <laughs> if you're really extremely maverick, you do kind of have to hit people with what they're familiar with, but yeah, there's so many aspects of this that work because of Japanese stuff that, yeah, I was saying to you as we were watching it, like, what is like the guy going to be from Boston and the girls from Kentucky? Like what in the heck? <laughs> like there's just, there is no American equivalent to this situation. And how and, are they going to create that, that? That scenery, you're right, is beautiful. Half of the success of this movie is the atmosphere of urban versus um, rural and, and, the, and the beautiful scenery. How how are they going to, you, you know what they usually do in American stuff? They, they throw in all this extra opulence and, oh, it, it'll, I can't imagine it being any good at all. Just a piece of crap. Because it'll have too much um, superfluous bullshit in it. What are they going to do? Have a farm in Kansas and, I don't know, a city like Boston or New York, like comparing the two? Like, how many times have we seen that in real live action? Too many. Yeah, and it does, I feel like it does walk the line quite a bit as to, as to like the believability of this scenario. A lot of it is not only the dream aspect of it, I do think that was a good way to take it, that, that there's a lot of dream logic going on here, but because they were literally kind of dreaming each other's lives in a weird way. But Japan also, they really do have a culture of carrying on traditions that are kind of on autopilot in a weird way. Like there's these shrines and temples all over the place and people, you know, make the motions and do the things and leave the offerings. But, but it's, you know, it's from way back in the day when they believed that they did have to leave offerings to the mountain spirits or whatnot to, you know, to, to be protected and what, what have you. So the, the fact that the girl's family 
you know, the grandmother and then the mother who isn't around anymore and the daughter, like carry on these traditions that, that allow for this whole thing to have happened, you know, that they're the ones keeping the thread alive of this weird magical body swapping without even knowing that they are doing that or why they're doing that. Like, again, there's just no equivalent to that. It's just not that way in our culture, you know, like there's, there's so many pieces of this that fit so well in Japan. So, I mean, that would be a bold move if the Americans just filmed it in Japan with Japanese actors, like just make a Japanese movie with a big budget, but there's no way they're going to do that. They might be, if they did that, yeah, they might be able to pull it off. But really, I don't, I don't see what the point is of all the other stories in the world that you could make movies of. Why take something that's already been done and exceptionally well done and try to recreate it in a real life sequence? Come on, are you that hard up for plot lines? I mean, the plot's pretty, pretty, you know, we've all read those stories about spirits and ghosts and traveling through time. And I mean, that's all been done. Everything's been done according, according, I, I guess. But uh, I just can't see this being a, a, a transition. It's excellent in the form that it is. And the fact that it is an animation thing, yeah, allows you to totally suspend belief. Because we've all read comic books throughout our lives where uh, reality was in total sus- suspension. And you buy it. But once you start trying to put it into a real-life format... You can't suspend belief that much, and you come. You, I'd come away from this, I'm sure, watching a real life thing, saying, "Oh, how freaking corny was that? What a piece of sappy crap!" But in that animated form, oh yeah, I bought it. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, I wonder too. Yeah, because there is stuff. Yeah, like I think a good example of that, for example, is is the comet with the piece breaking off and smashing into the earth, like it's surprisingly easy to just get on board that that happened. And you're just like, Oh goodness, what a tragedy. But yeah, once you bring that into real reality, it's like, what happened now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> a town got blown up by a comet. What are you talking about? Like, and, yeah, there's and, so and many it, elements. And is that scientifically possible? And, uh, Oh, that that's not true. They couldn't have done that. Yeah, exactly. You start questioning the, the reality of all this stuff when you watch something in real life, but but in a, in a comic book form, oh, hey, yeah, you can believe anything. They can shoot anything by it. And you say, yep, uh, yeah, I get that. I, I agree. I'll go for it. I really did like to, I mean, even though, wasn't there a Sandra Bullock movie where she had like a, a magical mailbox where she was leaving letters to someone at a different period of time. So, I mean, yeah, this isn't, even this part is not entirely unique, but the part that really did surprise me when I first saw this, because at first it was just such a, like, slapsticky, almost body-swapping comedy with, like, ah, you're eating all my, you're, you're using all my money on food, and you're, yeah, but you're touching my boobs, and blah, blah, blah. When it took that sudden shift to explaining that they weren't just changing spaces but also that they were three years apart from each other and they didn't realize like i was really i didn't see that coming at all i was like wait what whoa (laughs) you know and just that it took that tonal left turn halfway through into you know he's trying to go track down this girl and then he finds out that she's dead and she's been dead for three years like i don't know i really liked it i thought that was that was quite inventive i thought i did not see that coming but that again has been uh a theme that has been done over and over and over. You know, the the person who died in uh, in 
unusual circumstances and their spirit is roaming the earth or whatever, trying to find resolution, you know, forerunners and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's, that's uh, very, once they brought that in, it was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Seen those before. Yeah, come, yeah, I believe that. The spirits, the fourth dimension and people coming back to get resolution because they can never rest in peace uh, until their murderer is found or the problem is resolved or something, you know, like that whole thing. Yeah. It fit, it fit in and you needed to have that little bit of, of um, let's say ridiculousness at the beginning where they were transporting back and forth into each other's bodies, because that way you got to identify the characters and you got to like them. Yeah. That has, that to me is the biggest difference between uh, the movie we watched last week um, from up on Poppy Hill is I didn't feel like any of those were like people, you know, none of them had personalities. <laughs> and remember how I was saying too, how like both the characters had the same exact face. So, I mean, yeah, this one, I feel, felt like these two people were much, much more believable as people. Maybe the, uh, the shift in time, maybe that hit me more just because I don't watch enough of this stuff. Cause yeah, as you say it, it's like, I guess it is kind of hackneyed. But I like even I'm vaguely trying to recall like the name of one Sandra Bullock movie that I don't even know. Like maybe I just don't watch enough of these. <laughs> maybe maybe I should have expected it more. Well, one that I'm thinking of, uh, and, and I don't know the name of it, but you see it all the time. It's Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, and oh, Ghost. He's dead. <laughs> yes, and and she's doing a pottery thing, and there's like this sexual scene with the, with the pottery being made. And, and some song going on in the background there. There's a perfect example of one of these ones where the spirit cannot rest until the spirit gets some resolution as to what happened or, or the victor, whoever the criminal type was is found out and has to suffer. But the only way it can be done is through the spirit still existing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I guess <laughs> you're right. It's a, it's a tale as old as time or as old as 1990. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's true. But I guess uh, the other thing that I thought was neat about this that does feel uh, a bit more of like a, a Japanese flavor to it is the idea that once it got fixed, now they're just like that whole coda at the end where they're both just kind of trapped in this strange alternate reality where all that stuff happened and they did change the past, but now they're in a world where they never had any reason to meet each other, so they don't know each other. But there's just that weird... Because, you know, you have that feeling in real life sometimes when you meet people, and it's like you've known them forever, or it's like you met them in a past life or something. So I thought that was such a cool ending to this movie, that they there's this other person that they, they just see them and they know that they know them or they know there's a connection but there isn't like they don't know why they feel that way and it's just such a strange thing to end on that that's the kind of thing i really don't think that north america would uh, pull the trigger on that one that is a weird tone but i thought it was really i cool. could i could see a north american movie ending up with oh it's you i love you ah oh, hug kiss 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 in this one they they almost walk by each other a couple of times. And then do I know you? Yeah. Yeah. That part especially impressed me because yeah, like they see each other. Cause it's that thing where when they see each other from different trains, 
there's a lot of separation. They can openly express that they're shocked to see the other person. And then they're chasing each other around. But then when they meet on those stairs, yeah, like he puts on the stiff upper lip. He's just going to walk by because once you're really there in the real moment, that's when all of, especially in Japan, everything's very regimented about how you act in public and how you act around strangers. Even just the way we casually say hello to each other all the time in Canada, they just like, that doesn't happen here. If somebody says hello to you, well, like in my example, the one person who said hello to me turned out to want me to join his weird Buddhist cult. You know, like people just don't do that. They mind their own business. So yeah, I loved that part that he knows he's got to talk to her. He knows there's something going on, but his his rigid Japanese upbringing kicks in and he's like, she's just a stranger. I don't have any reason to even talk to her. And he almost walks by like, yeah, like so, so Japanese. Like I, I cannot imagine if nothing else, the ending of the, if they ever make a live action American version is not going to be the same. They're going to goof that up for sure. Yeah, but they should leave it the way it is because the way it ends is you don't know if they're going to get together. You don't know if they're going to click. Uh, they might end up just, being only acquaintances and maybe not even that. Um, so they left it wide open as to what that could be. It doesn't necessarily mean just because they made the connection that they're going to, oh, yeah, I've known you forever. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. You don't know that that's going to happen. It might not. So it was kind of nice leaving it on that very realistic bent of, don't I know you from somewhere? Like how many times have you said that in your own lifetime where you've met somebody and you said, I've met you before. And you haven't, you haven't, you haven't got a clue who they are. And that's where it ends. You just, they say, no, I've never met you before. And you say, oh, okay. <laughs> so it could just end like that. Or maybe they would get together. Maybe there is a connection there that will last. Who knows? They left that wide open. And I thought that was an excellent way to, to finish that. Because then it's up to your imagination to decide where is that relationship going to go. I like also, I mean, this is an extremely different kind of movie, but do you remember when we watched Labyrinth, how I was saying one of my favorite things about Labyrinth is that it's such a good example of dream logic, where a lot of weird stuff is happening in that movie, but but in the way that it makes sense in a dream, it also makes sense in that story, and you can just kind of go with it, where I feel similarly about this. Like, I love stories that can pull off dream logic in a way that works. Like, I really liked how when he's, you know, he's like, his friends don't understand what the heck he's going on about. And he's like halfway out of his mind looking for this town that turns out to not be there. And he's obsessively researching. And then he goes off to a mountain by himself in the middle of the night. And it's just like, this guy is just everyone else must just seem crazy. But I like the way they did it, that it's like somewhere deep in his mind, he can remember the stuff that the grandmother told him when he was in the other body in the other timeline. So he's just like compelled in this subconscious way, because if he could, if he figured it out, you know, like if he went into detective mode and, oh, I figured out the ritual, he'd be like, no, you didn't get out of here. <laughs> so I like it that he didn't figure it out. He was, just didn't know why he was going there. He didn't quite know what he was doing all the way to the point of like that. They both, when they finally can talk to each other, it's at that twilight moment in between nighttime and daytime it just seems like it connects so well with just that they're in two different timelines and two different bodies and two different places and in between two different times of day, you know, it like just makes enough kind of sense that you're like, all right, why not? <laughs> you know? And well, I feel and like as I said, 
the fact that it's an animated cartoon, yeah, you can buy anything. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the thing that's especially cool about this movie as far as locations go, and like there's on, on the girl's side, there is, especially when he goes to track down her town, there is stuff like the train station and the bus stop and the library. Those are all real places. And then on his side, it's just kind of the whole neighborhood except that overpass. I didn't realize how many times they go to the overpass, but that's a real overpass. But the main thing, the big, the big heavy hitter of this movie is that staircase. That's a real staircase that leads up to a shrine. So one day while I was here visiting, I was like, yeah, you know, what the heck? I'll go see the Your Name staircase. You know, I, I didn't expect it would be much of an adventure it's just like hey you know i'm in tokyo let's go I, I like that movie let's go check it out and i was really surprised when i got there how weird it felt like how crazy it felt to be at that place for real it was way more like moving than i thought it would be <laughs> it's just like holy shit like i'm this is it like down the street and up up the stairs and around the corner like you can just keep going it's like you're inside a movie but if you want to keep looking around and see what what would happen if they did walk further what would happen if you went here what would happen if you went there and it was like holy crap this is so cool but apparently it's not just me who thought that because you know i wanted to take a picture for my instagram but i was a little embarrassed because it's very obvious why the white guy is taking a picture of those stairs you know <laughs> it's because of this movie that's super famous and there were some other anime nerds milling around taking pictures. So I was like, you know what? I'll just wait. I'll just wait till they leave so I can, you know, <laughs> shamefully take my nerdy anime picture by myself. So I took a walk around the block and I explored the neighborhood. And I was there for like, I'd say like an hour. And every time I went back, there was a new group of people there taking pictures. And this was like a random Wednesday at like 3 p.m. And it just made me realize like, holy crap, like this movie came out in 2016 does this just happen all day, every day? Like it is an extremely famous movie, but I think there's just tourists taking pictures of those stairs like all the time. I don't think it was coincidence. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, any, any final thoughts? Oh, I guess uh, the other thing too. Yeah. As far as even, even just visually, I love all those parts, just like the time lapses of day to night and stuff, both in the uh, countryside and in the city just visually too, I feel like you could really snip out, even if you just snipped out the parts of that movie that weren't the movie, you know, that are just, here's just a scene setting thing, you know, those alone would make a really cool 10 minutes of viewing. Well, they seem to spend a lot of, of time creating atmosphere through scenery, as opposed to just any old apartment building, any old, you know, they, re they really go out of their way in those anime films to, to create scenes in it for atmosphere purposes yeah no it's true because even uh there's this giant robot show called evangelion that was pretty famous in the 90s and they they remade it into a series of movies and i was watching them and i was like geez i don't know if i'm that into this anymore <laughs> in my ripe old age maybe i'm not as much into giant robots anymore but even in that movie there were a lot of those types of scenes of like here's just the countryside and the cicadas making sounds and i was like god ah, those are the parts i i still like those parts and then i think that's why when i found yuru camp and stuff like that i'm like there you go forget the robots <laughs> i just want those parts just give me only those parts and that's fine with me 
And it's not just scenery itself. They focus in on things like uh, how many times did we see what they were eating? And they, they take a quick shot of the of the food in the little box and then somebody taking a bite out of the food. How many times did we see vending machines and and the and the can coming down through the machine and and ending up in the slot and then he opens the can or she opens the can the detail of that kind of stuff is is incredible because we wouldn't bother with that we would just yeah here's the big scene and you wouldn't actually see them biting or getting the hamburger and then you see the picture of the hamburger and then somebody eating the hamburger the hamburger arrives on the plate and somebody just picks it up and wolfs into it yeah, even the, the uh, right at the start, the introduction really to the household out in the countryside was how do they make breakfast? You know, here's the rice cooker. Here's here's how it all works. Yeah, and there's one shot too. It's such a, a random little shot. But at the end, when he's uh, especially despondent, drifting through life, doesn't know what he's doing with himself, and it starts raining. And there's this shot that is just a the reflection, the upside down reflection of a Starbucks logo, you know, the glowing Starbucks sign in the raindrops of the rain. It's like this tiny little shot. But every time I watch the movie, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Good job, my man. (laughs) But, you know, and then there's just like the eagles flying around over the lake out in the country. And yeah, it's just all those little things. Like I do feel like, yeah, those do add up and to give you it's weird because we do that in North America. We have like establishing shots, but you can just feel that we don't care. <laughs> like we're just doing it to show you like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mid-afternoon, summer, school, la, 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 let's just go. <laughs> well, go we on. should probably Sorry. just sign off on this one then, because, but it, it was, it was good. Glad you showed it to me. Yeah. It's, I figured, yeah, as my little send off to Japan, like it really was the, the, the movie that most comes to mind because it's kind of an interesting little plot and stuff. And it is, yeah, just, just a gorgeous thing. And it's neat too, when, uh, you know, when the top grossing, super fancy movie that everybody liked is good. <laughs> it's not because I'm sure you didn't see it, but man, like for North America, there's this James Cameron movie called Avatar. It's oh, like, Avatar. Yes. I've heard of it. I didn't see it though. Man, it sucks. It like sucks to the nth degree. (laughs) But that's like our movie that made a billion dollars, you know, like you can just never tell. So it is nice that when the movie that's very famous and made all the money in the world is uh, also good, that's a double bonus. So cheers to all the animators that are uh, working themselves to death for terrible wages because, you know, hey, man, you could argue that it's worth it. (laughs) You know, I can't tell you what's worthwhile in your life, but, uh, At least you do make some cool stuff.